I'm Amelia Hamilton, and this is the Growing Patriot Podcast. We've been talking a lot about the American colonies. In the last episode, America and Great Britain even fought a war together. But starting with this week's episode, things aren't going so well. Trouble is starting to brew between the American colonies and Great Britain. Let's meet our first guest. Hi, I'm May. I'm eight years old, and I'm from Oklahoma. This week, we're going to be talking about how the trouble began. These are my questions. Why didn't Benjamin Franklin want to re- repeal the, the Certainty Act of 1764? How did the colonists react to the Sugar Act of 1764? How did the Wool Act of 1699 backfire on the British Parliament? Wow, those were some really good questions. And we have the best guest here to answer them. Should we just go right ahead and meet him? My name is Kirk Higgins, and I am the Senior Manager of uh, Curriculum here at the Bill of Rights Institute. So I develop uh, materials for teachers to use all over the country. That sounds like a really important job to help kids learn all about our founding. Yeah, it is. And my job is to make it exciting. So what we do is dive into uh, the more interesting things and not just get bogged down in uh, some of the, you know, uh, names, dates, and places, but learning about stories and, uh, and interesting people and, and all the events that took place. So that's the goal anyway. You, you don't have to yeah. let me know if I'm any good at it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're working on here, too. Yeah, um, perfect. So this week we have May, and she has some questions about um, how the trouble started to begin between the colonies and home back in Great Britain. When we, when we left off, things were going pretty well. The French and Indian War had just ended. And now we have things like the Currency Act, the Sugar Act, and things aren't going so great. So I guess just for an overview, how did things kind of start to go wrong? Sure. So like any relationship, there can be tensions. And I think uh, when the British were involved in uh, fighting against the French in North America, uh, they were in a long sort of protracted war starting in the 1754 um, and on up until 1763. Um, and wars can be quite expensive. So as Britain was looking at all of its empire, uh, because the French War wasn't just contained in North America, it was actually um, all around the world in a, a global conflict, today what we might call a world war, uh, they uh, were deciding how best to fund uh, the protection of uh, the colonies and their efforts in North America. So uh, the need to sort of fund that protection um, and that defense of the North American colonies uh, was something that they decided they, they needed to address, and that uh, became a point of conflict for uh, the colonists in North America. Okay, so that's when maybe all those taxes started being raised? Yeah, exactly. So, um, and taxes, again, are just a method of, of raising revenue by a government. And so uh, when Britain needed to raise those funds, 
Um, it had previously not uh, been too involved uh, in taxing the North American colonies. Um, they had left them in a state of solitary neglect, kind of defend for themselves, mm-hmm. um, with the exception of a few acts. Uh, in 1699, you had the Wool Act. In 1733, you had um, sort of the Sugar Act, um, an earlier Sugar Act. Uh, and, and those were, were sort of uh, methods of trying to raise some money, but this is the first time that they really started diving into to raising raising money from the colonies themselves. Okay. And that actually goes into one of May's questions, which was, how did the colonists react to this sugar act? Not well. So the colonies came from a background, uh, uh, very much a, a social contract kind of background uh, from the way that they were founded originally, um, both the royal colonies, but also in um, the, the, the sort of joint stock companies that had come over. They were a, a, a people who valued um, their social contracts and their rights as Englishmen, as they would call them. And so they uh, were feeling as though they were being uh, told to do things without their voice being heard or being forced to consent to things without their ability of um, voicing concerns or anything else. And so uh, when they came in and started uh, being told that they were going to pay these higher duties on sugar, so the, um, uh, the Sugar Act um, was actually just a revision to that uh, earlier uh, uh, Molasses Act, uh, but they were going to enforce it more strictly, and, and that didn't go over well with the colonists who had been uh, told to pay a tax but hadn't really been t- paying it, had been uh, working very hard to smuggle and avoid paying any mm. tax to Great Britain. Okay. Um, what about the Wool Act? Was that sort of similar? Yeah, somewhat. So a lot of these early acts had to do with the system of mercantilism, which is a fancy word uh, to talk about sort of how... how uh, an empire was regulating uh, its trade in ways of trying to uh, maximize the amount of revenue it was getting from each one of its colonies. So we think about it as trying to make a clock work in a way where everything's well-balanced and running smoothly. Um, and so the Wool Act was uh, an act that was um, uh, preventing the colonists from exporting any wool that they were producing um, in favor of purchasing wool or garments from England. Uh, and the, what resulted from that is the Americans decided it was awfully expensive to buy those English products because of those taxes. So they would just uh, create wool for themselves. So they, um, a lot of the immigrants coming over to the United States had a background in that. They were um, Irish, um, Scottish immigrants who, who um, had been raised with sheep. And so they snuck sheep into the colonies or purchased them from um, other European countries and had made their own clothing. So it sort of backfired on that. Yeah. <laughs> On the empire, it didn't work exactly how they were, were planning it. <laughs> okay, and um, this one is a little bit different, but another one of the the big um, problems the colonists had were the currency acts. Yeah. So, in the currency acts too were, were about how much autonomy the colonists would have in being able to use money that they were printing themselves. So, uh, Britain um, wanted to. Uh, limit the amount of money that the colonists could print to pay their own debts uh, because they uh, didn't feel as though that they were, over time, the British lenders were going to lose out money on that in that situation. So uh, they limited that, which really restricted the amount of money that was available for businesses to operate in the United States. So uh, Benjamin Franklin, well, before the United States, I'm sorry, the colonies. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, uh, but Benjamin Franklin, among others, uh, was very resistant to those acts for that purpose. Um, and so they, they 
uh, felt really constrained and oppressed by that uh, by that British by that action by the British Parliament. Okay, so it sounds like kind of altogether the issue was maybe that the colonies had been pretty much left alone for a long time, and suddenly here came Britain trying to um, you know say that they were in charge again, and the colonists didn't like that very much. Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, when you're when you're on your own and legislating for yourself, uh, you tend to uh, feel very sensitive towards people coming and telling you what to do. So um, that led up um, the Stamp Act of 1765 uh, was one of these um, acts that was passed uh, trying to raise revenue after the French and Indian War, and um, one of the um, uh, colonies, Virginia, um, the House of Burgesses actually got together and had. And uh, passed several things, uh, uh, pieces of legislation that were arguing against uh, England being able to do this, even asserted uh, that uh, that only the colonial uh, legislatures, the House of Burgesses being one, mm-hmm. uh, would be able to raise revenue on themselves. So the colonists, even at this early stage, were very much reinforcing the fact that they were governing on their own and they didn't need or want anyone to tell them what to do. Okay, and that's something that we're going to be hearing all the way up through the through our talks on the revolution. Yeah, absolutely. It's sort of the the one thing that uh, is born at this time that then grows and grows and grows up until 1776. In fact, one of the members of the House of Burgesses, Patrick Henry, uh, becomes very famous for his speech later on of "Give me liberty or give me death." Um, he was instrumental in passing. Um, those uh, comments back um, in the House Burgesses that said uh, that they did not want Britain to be to be ruling over them, um, mm-hmm. and those things really start to emerge um, even more um, after the Stamp Act. Um, there's another thing called the Stamp Act Congress, which shows the colonies really starting to work together um, and coming together to show support for one another, and also trying to assert uh, again their rights of Englishmen. So what they believed Congress or uh, Parliament could or could not um, tell them to do as independent colonies. Um, within the empire, um, and uh, a lot of that language just continues to build um, on up into the, the Township Acts, which are more revenue acts, and a gentleman by the name of John Dickinson writes a series of letters um, that really reinforces the points of no taxation without representation, the mm-hmm. idea being, if we're not being represented, you can't take um, our stuff away, um, meaning stuff being property in this instance, and that property being um, their wealth through taxation. Okay. Um, You mentioned Benjamin Franklin, and in our episode on the French and Indian War, we were introduced to a young soldier named George Washington. Um, Are there any other of those famous names that the kids might know that are are starting to make a name for themselves in these early days? Yeah, well, Samuel Adams might be another one. Oh, yeah. Um, He was uh, instrumental in uh, resisting the Sugar Acts, particularly Boston. Uh, Boston became... Uh, really the heart of a lot of uh, the resistance movement, partly because it was so attached to um, British trade. And so things that took place that were impacting trade were immediately felt um, in Boston. So, um, you know, yeah, Samuel Adams would have been would have been one of those, those early folks um, who's resisting that and also goes on to help form the Sons of Liberty and um, other groups that were forming at that time, the Daughters of Liberty, mm-hmm. um, were all groups that were that were actively trying to resist these things and pushing for things like we were talking about earlier with the homespun cloth um, and um, all of them sort of coming together to, to you know, resist economically, peacefully, so uh, by 
um, do non-importation um, groups and clubs and eventually acts that were forced um, into colonies themselves, um, again, all trying to resist uh, that what they saw as illegitimate influence of, of, uh, or illegitimate exercise of parliamentary power. Okay, great. Um, I think this was a great introduction to how the trouble got started, and we will be building on that in the weeks to come. Thank you so much, Kirk. Yeah, well, thank you, Millie. I really appreciate it. And thank you, May. Thanks. Bye. Around this time, American colonists started saying something, no taxation without representation. And that meant that kings and queens back in Great Britain couldn't expect American colonists to pay taxes unless they were also going to let colonists be part of the decision-making. And they definitely weren't going to do that. The British didn't really listen, but what we learned today is that the American colonists meant business. So after the French and Indian War, which you remember was part of a great big war in Europe too, Britain had to find a way to pay for it, including finding a way to protect the American colonies. But Britain and America disagreed on how to pay for it, partly because Britain was raising taxes without American representation, and they had never really done that before. This was called the Sugar Act, and Sam Adams was one of the people who was very much against that. You might have heard his name before, and if you haven't, you'll definitely be hearing it again. Britain had tried other taxes before with things like the Wool Act, but they didn't really work because Americans could just make things for themselves. They didn't really need to bring in wool from Britain and pay the tax. But this time things were different. Britain was going after things that America really needed and forcing them to pay. One of the things was called the Currency Act, which was about American colonies being able to print their own money. They weren't going to let them do it. Benjamin Franklin was really against this one. And again, that's another name that I bet you guys know. What about the name Patrick Henry? Have you heard that one before? One of the laws Britain passed was called the Stamp Act. And Virginia was so upset about it that they passed their own law against it. And that was a really big deal. Really, all of the things we talked about in this episode were the start of Britain saying, hey, we want to be in charge of ourselves. We can do it and we are going to do it. No taxation without representation. We said it and we meant it. Britain was pretty surprised at this reaction, and they didn't really know what to do. But starting in the next episode, we're going to find out exactly what happened. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can visit growingpatriots.com to check out the Growing Patriot books. We also have coloring pages, videos, and lots of other resources that go along with every single episode. And you can visit Growing Patriots on social media. We are at Growing Patriots on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Can't wait to see you next time. Bye. America, land of the free.